Let me start off by saying good evening. And again, what a pleasure it is to stand before the people of God to deliver the Word of God. Today has been a busy, busy day for me. This is actually the first opportunity that I've had to participate in a gospel meeting outside of the city of Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm now getting uh, the opportunity to see what it's like to constantly be busy and have the opportunity to uh, fellowship with other brethren and sisters in Christ. And it was good for me to spend time with the Noble family. Uh, I'm sure you all, if you ever had an opportunity to do so, they are a very fun and interesting couple. Uh, They have done a lot of things that uh, uh, probably I will never do in my life, but... Uh, it, it was wonderful to hear their stories. And it's not because I don't want to. It's just because my wife probably will never go to the mountains with me. Uh, if it involves snakes, bears, <laughs> mountain lions, cold weather, hot weather, she probably won't be involved. It's more like air condition, you know, uh, vacation resort type of things. But we really enjoyed our time with the uh, Noble family. And as well with the Clark family. Um, It was so nice to get a chance to get to know them and spend time with them and them uh, doing everything that they can to make us feel comfortable as well. And uh, we had an opportunity to go to a restaurant uh, called uh, Papa Do's. And uh, the word speaks for itself. After eating, I'm about to pop. Pop dough. I am. (laughs) I am. Uh, They make sure you eat well here, I'm telling you. I know that I probably put on a few pounds Already, But uh, the food was wonderful. Spending time with them was wonderful. And I again like to uh, extend my thanks and my gratitude to um, the Hall family for allowing us to stay there with them. They're wonderful hostess. Uh, I don't know. I think if you've seen the commercial where the family drops the babies off and they say, don't leave us with the babies. I think that me and my wife going to try to sneak out of here and leave our children with them for a little while and have a little vacation. They have taken to them so much. And I'm so thankful for you all for having us in your home. And it's been lovely. I would like to also thank um, the uh, elders here and uh, everyone who's been so nice for allowing me to be here and to preach the gospel and share the gospel message with you all uh, this weekend. Before I begin, you know I got to make sure you guys are awake. So I want to ask you something. At what time of day was Adam created? It was just a little bit before Eve. Okay, all right, all right. I'm getting back. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I just want to make sure you're awake. Just want to make sure you're awake. Last one, last one, because you're a tough crowd. Tough crowd. Uh, why didn't they play cards on the ark? You ready? Because Noah was standing on the deck. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Well, let's get straight to it. The title uh, for my sermon was uh, Tools for a Successful Believer. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, as sometimes you are a gospel preacher and you do some gospel meetings, you tend to use some messages and sermons you preached before. Unfortunately, I I could not uh, find this lesson. So I had to try to put something together um, for this particular lesson, but it is important. It is called the characteristics of a true worshiper. And so I put this together and I hope that you all will be with me and I make these things simple and plain. I pray that you have an open heart and an open mind to receive uh, the message that I have for you this evening. So I want to talk about characteristics of a true worshiper. Now, the main difference between 
a characteristic and a trait is while a characteristic needs to be built up in a person, a trait comes genealogically. So what I'm saying is none of us were born with the characteristics of being a worshiper. Now, it was a characteristic that needed to be built up in us. It needed to be absorbed. It was something that we had to learn. So this evening, we're going to be looking at the characteristics of a true worshiper and what that encompasses. So the Greek word for worshiper is latris, latris, and it means adore. When you think about adoring someone, uh, I, the best example that I can come up with is, is my loving wife. I adore my wife. I love her with every fiber of my being. I am willing to die for her without question. I adore her. So when I think about adoring and when it comes to God, when we say we adore him, I believe what we're saying is that we will and will be willing and always will be willing to show reverence to him no matter what. Now, when we say that we have reverence towards God and we show him reverence, that means that we respect his word, we uh, respect his commandments, and we will do everything that he says. Now, I want you to understand why we should, because his word is holy. His word is pure. His word is what we need in order for us to be successful when it comes to being a believer. We should never approach God's throne lightly. We should never take that for granted. We should never act as if it were not important. He is the most important one in all of the universe. I want you to think about the most important thing to you. I, that thing that you hold dear to your heart. Whatever that is does not come close, should not ever come close. My wife, as much as I love her, does not come close to my love, to the reverence and my heart adoring God. He is the most important one. And when it comes to worshiping him, we should show love to him always. And we ought to do it not because we're told to. We ought to have a deep sense of gratitude for what he has done. You think about what he went through for you. And again, I talked about it last night about him dying for you, knowing that you don't deserve it. Knowing that you weren't worthy. When you think about your condition before you were in Christ... Before you obey the gospel, even as a young, young man and young woman, you know that we all go through that stage in our lives where we kind of veer off. We kind of let go of the wheel. You think about that and you think about what he did for you even while you were doing that. You think about someone dying for you, knowing that there would be some that would believe and some that wouldn't. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to lose my life. I'm going to be willing to shed my blood knowing that there will be some that will love me. There will, some, there will be some to reject me, but yet I will do it. And it's amazing how people have a lack of reverence towards God. Their character when it comes to worshiping him is not where it needs to be. If you would, please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 and let's look at verse 1. As you turn, I want you to think about it. He was willing to go to the cross for you and for me. 
willing to do so. So when I'm talking about adoring him, having a true love for him and showing a true reverence, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, and it reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We must present our bodies as living sacrifices. Presenting our bodies means what? Giving to God all of yourself. Now, most people aren't willing to give all of themselves to God. I'll give you a little bit, Lord. I give you, I give you a piece of my heart. I'll give you some of my time. I'll put half of what you require of me into this. But I can't give you all. Because there are other things that mean more to me than you. But what it means is that we ought to give all of our human faculties to him. Give it over to him. All of our humanness, everything that involves who you are should belong to him. That includes your heart, your mind, your hands, your thoughts, your time, your attitude. It belongs to him. In other words, when you give up control of these things, when you say all of this belongs to you, you come first in everything that I do. What you're saying is I am willing to give all of myself to you just as a literal sacrifice that was given at the altar. I'm giving all of myself to you. Here I am. And sadly, we don't see that sometimes in our worship to God. We see a lot of things going on. I'm sure you've been places. And I'm talking about the church. I want us to think about denominations or anything else. I want us to think about the church. Because my concern is making sure that we're built up. That we are doing what is necessary so that we can grow the kingdom. And we do that with love by sharing the truth. Charles Swindoll said something very important to, that I read. He said that we have become a generation of people who worship our work, who work at our play, and who play at our worship. And when I read that, I thought about it, and I said, wow. So we, we, we're playing church. We're, we're, we're literally coming here and we're playing. We're taking this for granted. We don't take this as serious as we take everything else. Because we see value, like I said last night, in everything else. I see value in me going to work every day. I, I, I understand what, what that means and, how I, and, re, and the reasons why I need to do it. But when it comes to worshiping God, I, I mean, it's not as valuable to me. But when you think about it, it should mean everything to you. Where you spend eternity should mean everything to you. Let me ask you this question. If you were to die and go to hell, many people think about it in terms of, it's not as long as it may seem, but let me tell you something. If you spent a thousand years in hell and you got through it, I'm here to tell you that it's only the beginning. 
See, people think about hell as if it's like jail, that I'll be there for a little while and maybe because I'm there, I'll get used to it. I mean, eternity is eternity, but you don't think in terms of forever. So people don't value their soul salvation. They don't value the fact that at one point or another, I am going to die. I'm going to leave here. How I live my life will determine where I spend eternity. We need to start placing value on that. See, a true worshiper is aware of God's presence. He's aware of God's spirit. And it teaches us that God is omnipresent. And the truth is this. It assures us of a few things. Let me tell you why we need to be better at this, because it is it assures us that we can have great comfort in those major trials in our lives. And I'm telling you that they're coming. All of us have experienced that so far, something in our life that was tough, that was hard. But because of God's word, because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of how good he was to you, you found comfort in him. The other thing that it, it does for us is it. It gives us great accountability. There's nothing like looking at the word of God and and saying to yourself, wow, I I wasn't doing that. I I wasn't acting like that. That's that's amazing how, how Christ was able to take that and do that and act that way. And a lot of times we sit back and we say to ourselves, I, I don't know if I could have done that. I'm not sure if I I could have had the humility. I'm not sure if I could have been nice enough to to deal with what he had to deal with. And then the other thing that it does is it gives us a great purpose in worship. We have a purpose. There's a reason why we come here. It's not just something you do. We shouldn't act like this is just just something that we do haphazardly. Like, oh, you know, this is just a part of what we do. No, you should want to be here. You should value the time that you're giving to be here to worship God for what he has done. I think sometimes we get confused, though. I think we believe that our worship to God is about God being in our presence, opposed to us being in God's presence. Think about that. I'm I'm coming here for you, Lord, so, you know, I'm showing up for you. Not that I'm showing up because I need you. See, we need him. He doesn't need us. And he created an opportunity so that he would have a people that would love him and worship him. And yet, we just keep missing the mark. Because we don't value it. And those characteristics need to change. So what are some characteristics of a true worshiper? Let's get to it. The first one is faithfulness. This is a big one. We understand that in the church that faithfulness is one of those things that we all struggle with and helping others and family members and, and even in husbands and wives. Faithfulness sometimes is one of those things that we deal with. But a true worshiper, a characteristic of a true worshiper becomes a man or woman of faith. They have built an intimate relationship with God. You know how you used to do when you found that young lady that you like? A young man that you like, you, you know, you get on the phone and stay on the phone all night. You fall asleep on the phone because you just don't want to get off the phone. When you love them and adore them so much, you sleep? No. You sleep? Nah. You're good? Yeah, I'm good. And you do that all night long. Well, what about that intimate relationship with God? How much time do you spend talking to God? How long are you willing to stay up and pray to him? 
Tell him everything that you need, everything you desire, all of your problems, all of your needs, all of your discomforts. Oh, I want to learn your word more. I want to be more uh, in your word. I want to be able to share the gospel more. How often do we do that? See, when you are faithful to God, you, you've come to know all his attributes, what he has to offer. So when you spend time with a person, you begin to, to know more about them and what they expect from you. you. You give and you give and you give and you want and you want more because you spend time and you understand what they require. So I have two little ones and I, I've been there since the beginning. Just as God has, and he understands what you need, how often you need it, when you need it, and he understands that you need him. And I understand my children need me. I spend time with them, and I understand what they require. Therefore, they have the confidence to believe that I will perform my duties as a father. The same way God will do with you. You will understand And have the confidence that he will perform what he has promised. And because you understand what he has promised, you make it your business to have an intimate relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. The Bible says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. He's faithful. And in 2 Timothy, I'll slow down. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, I want to read verses 11 through 13. The Bible says, The saying is trustworthy for... If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. See, faithfulness is one of those characteristics of what the Apostle Paul calls the fruit. And he says this because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But Paul refers to the various qualities uh, as a singular fruit. Why? Because there is only one spirit. Why? Because with exercise and unified and consistent effect upon believers in Jesus Christ, God looks for faithfulness in his servants. You know, I think faithfulness is one of the qualities... And what he judges people. You know, don't, don't just look at it, well, I, I do good things and you do bad things. What about your faith and you being faithful to him? Because last time I checked, all of you are who are in relationships. If, if you're not faithful to that significant other, if you're not faithful, because I want to make sure someone told me a long time ago that they don't believe in significant others. So let me correct it. If you're faithful to your husband or you're not being faithful to your husband and you're not being faithful to your wife, I, I can rest assured that there will be some turmoil. If God can't trust you, I, I, I can rest assured that there's going to be some turbulence. If you're not faithful to God, just as you're not faithful in your relationships, there will be problems. 
There are trust issues. And we have to fix the trust issues concerning our relationship and our faithfulness to God. In Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. That word is there. 25, 21, Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done, my sometiming servant, my unfaithful servant, my wishy-washy servant, my in sometimes, out sometimes servant. I'm unwilling to do what it takes, servant. I have not given my whole heart to you, servant. It says faithful servant. Thou has been faithful over a few things coming to worship as you should and when you come having the right attitude as you should a few things you don't have to to to, to look over the whole county you don't have to take care of the whole state the whole universe a few things your attitude when you come to worship reading your bible evangelizing learning growing loving a few things And the sad thing is that we can't even do that. A few. And he says, I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Can God trust you? Can he trust me? You have to ask yourself, can you trust me? I'll tell you what, let's change this. Faithfulness, saints, is not optional. So if you thought it was optional, I'm here to tell you that being faithful is not an option. Either you are or you aren't. Either you're going to give him your whole heart or you're not. Either you're in this for the sake of going to heaven and glorifying God while you're here on earth, or you just need to be preparing yourself for hell. We should show God our faithfulness by obeying him. Simply put, what he says to do, do it. People always say, I love the Lord. Yes, I do. Oh, yeah, just I love him. Well, if you love him, you obey him. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And one of those things are, are to be faithful to him. His heart becomes your heart. His mind becomes your mind. How his work ethic was becomes your work ethic. That's how we should be. Should do all this to please God. Secondly, we should have a sanctified and holy life. What does that encompass? Well, to be a true worshiper, we ought to be a holy people. And what does that mean? That means to be separated from everyone else that we see and the way they function in the world. We should not look like them in any way. They should be able to pick you out of a crowd. Oh, I I know he, no, yeah, I can't. No, no, yeah. So would you, would you, no, I can't. It's, It's just spewing all over you. The way you walk, the way you talk. I saw this guy this morning. I was walking out of Coles. He said, good morning. Uh, thank you, God bless you, and have a nice day before I could ever say good morning back. He's like, good morning, God bless you, thank you so much, you look so nice, have a wonderful day. I couldn't even say thank you back. We ought to be that way. 
People ought to know that we are believers, that we're followers of Christ, sanctified and holy based on how we act, separated, not looking like the world, talking like the world, acting like the world. Let's look at Matthew chapter five and verse eight. We ought to be holy in speech and thought and in deed. The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Not those who look like the world and doing everything under the sun. You know why? Because it goes on to say, God is a holy God. And without holiness, none of us will see God. That's the word. That's not the book of Chris. It says, we are to be holy for he is holy. This is the word of God. We will allow Christ to, to be revealed. In our lives. I think there comes a hunger for purity. You know how they say when you do something for, you know, 30 days and you know, it becomes a habit. You, know, you do something long enough, it becomes a part of who you are. When you seek this out, you have a hunger for God's word. You have a, a hunger for purity and righteousness. You'll go after it. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. We ought to have a hunger, a, a, a want for righteousness. We ought to just want it. Like, I just want to be righteous. I just, I, I just want to be pure. I, I want to do everything that's pleasing to God. And when I can't and I fall short, it ought to bother me. It should bother us, saints, that when, when we fall short and we miss the mark, when we should be striving for spiritual excellence. That should be the goal. We should have the goal of spiritual excellence in our sight. And we ought to be striving for it every day. Every day. Not Sundays. Not every now and then, but every single day. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? Because you don't look like the world. You don't talk like them. You don't act like them. You don't have an, a, an attitude like them. You don't have a, a, a scheme or, or some kind of thing going on where you're trying to get over on people. You're honest. You're true. Your speech is wonderful. And I'm not talking about your vernacular. I'm talking about when you're talking about good things and how good God is and how he blessed you and using your life as a testimony to uplift other people. It goes on to say, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those of us who are Christians ought to be jumping for joy that we were able to humble ourselves enough and be honest with ourselves enough to say, I was wrong. My belief system, my understanding of the word, my attitude, my marriage, the way I treated my children, my, my, my willingness to learn more about the word, my faithfulness to the local congregation that I'm involved in, that I go to, I was wrong. And I'm willing to repent of those things or I'm willing to obey the gospel because I'm not in Christ. And because of it, I was called out of that darkness into his marvelous light. Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own afflictions. See, if you're not growing, it's nobody's fault but yours. Let's just be honest. 
If you're not growing, if you don't have the, the if, you, if, you, if you haven't met the expected end, it's not because of anybody else. It's because of you. Your unwillingness to change. Your unwillingness to say to yourself, the characteristics of a true worshiper are not in me. And I need to change it. And guess what? You're not stuck there. I'm not advocating that, that anybody that's here that's struggling, that you're stuck there. That's why we have the word of God. It's to upbuild us. So what you need to have in order to get there is the next thing that I want to address is a repentant heart. They have to have a repentant heart. First John 1 and 19. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Confess it. Don't be ashamed. I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm a drug addict. I have problems with uh, being promiscuous. Say it. I, 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 I do some things that I shouldn't do and, and say some things I shouldn't say or watch some things on television I, I ought not be watching or, or talking to my spouse in, in an improper fashion and being disrespectful. Let it be known. Address it. Repent. Because what happens is it purifies you from all unrighteousness. We all fall short from time to time. I've fallen a lot. A lot. I wouldn't stand up here and act like I've never fallen. I'm not going to act like I haven't made mistakes. I'm, I'm not going to act like I've never had arguments with my wife. I'm not going to act like I've never said some things I shouldn't have said. But I'm man enough to say, God, I've fallen short. I repent of those things that I've done. I haven't been the man that I ought to be. I haven't been the father that I should be or the husband I should be or the Christian I should be. And notice I said nothing about the preacher. Because what matters more to me is my Christianity than standing in the pulpit and preaching to you all. How I look to God matters to me more than how I look to you. So my characteristics as a worshiper matters. So what I do when I'm off of this pulpit and I'm not standing in front of you is what matters most. What you don't see is what matters most. What goes on behind closed doors should matter most. And having a repentant heart is something we have to come to grips with. You know, true repentance leads to a person that says, I've sinned. And you know how you prove it? That I'm a better person with a 180 degree change of, of direction. I'm just going to change. But I think it requires true brokenness, though. I'm not saying that you must be broken in order to, 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 to do it. Because some people think that, that something bad has to happen. But what I'm saying when I'm saying brokenness, I'm talking about breaking the habit of lying. Breaking the habit of, of not being honest. Breaking the habit of cheating. Breaking the habit of, of being the, the person that you know that you ought not be. Breaking that means saying, I first address it. Now I want to change it. And one of the reasons God said that David was a man after his own heart wasn't because David didn't say, I've sinned. It was because he was willing to say it and repent of it and change it. We all understand that he, he did some things he shouldn't have done, but he acknowledged his mistakes. We should be the same way. We should no longer want to stay in sin. You know, when we do it, it gets harder and harder to return from. We all have been there. We all have done that. I want you to look at something. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. We're 
Because that, that repentant heart requires a word that begins with an H. Because a true worshiper, a true characteristic of, of a true worshiper is humility. You have to have it. See, a true worshiper recognizes that without Christ, they, they can do nothing. I can do nothing without him. And God detests pride. If you got pride and you think you got this thing in, in order and you, you got all the answers, I'm telling you, you need to change that level of thinking. Beginning with verse 9, he also told the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Because we have a lot of people who think that they're better than others. That they can do no wrong. That I I, I understand the Bible and I read it and I, I have myself together and you pretty much can't tell me anything. Goes on and said and treated others with contempt. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray and one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed, thus God I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of, of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exhausts, exhausts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Think about that. Not to be humble. You know, I was thinking when we're talking about being humble, we have to be like children, like you talked about in Matthew 18. You know, who, who, who's going to sit on the right hand? Who's, who's going to sit on the left hand? And, and, and when I think about it, when my children go to uh, these little playhouses, you know, the doors is about this high. It talks about being like children, humbling yourselves. I think that we need to get back to being more like children. Because, you know, when my child, they got this little door, you, you, you got to, you know, for a stick enough people, you, you got you to gotta bend that neck down a little bit and get under that door. Because you know what's on the other side of that door for those children when they, once you get there? Nothing but joy and peace and harmony. And when I think about that door, I think about heaven. I think heaven is not this big door that, that you get to, to get in. I think that for you all who are stiff neck and think you got it, you got to learn how to bend that neck down, lower yourself and humble yourself enough to be like a child, to get through that door, to get to the joy of heaven. Somebody asked me one time, how did a giraffe Get in the ark. That long, stiff neck he had, had to bend it down to get through that door. I think some of us need to humble ourselves and, and get rid of that stick neck and bend it down and be humble like children to get through that door so that you can get to the joy. And I'm talking about heaven. A true worshiper is one who has an obedient heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, the Bible says, Has the Lord as a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey 
is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. God considers obedience far more important than any external expression of worship. A true worshiper is obedient to God's commands. They want to do it in, in any way that they can. They don't grieve. They don't gripe. They don't, you know, oh, I don't feel like it. They, they, they just want to do it because he commands it. Just because he said to do it. Never thought about it. God said it and I want to do it not just, just because, you know, I, you know, it's the right thing to do. I want to do it because God said it and it's the right thing to do. God said it. That's why I want to do it. Not because some preacher said it. God said it. I look right in my Bible and it said it, what to do and how to act. And that's why I want to do it. And the great reward that, that awaits for me because I have the enthusiasm and the zeal to want to do what he says. That's what matters. God seeks true worshiper. He identifies those who worship him in spirit and in truth. We all know that there are many who don't, but, but, but worshiping God in spirit and truth is, is a serious matter, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. You know, if we had any regard for our own souls, we would take it serious. Again, I, I go back to how, how much do you value your soul? How much do you value it? Do you value it enough to do everything that God requires of you, or do you value a little bit, then that's why you only do a little bit that's required of you. Maybe your soul is only half as important as you think it is, and that's why you do half of what God commands you to do. Maybe that's why you have one foot in and one foot out. You're halfway in. You know, when I think about halfway, I, I, I just want to tell you this. I, it's, it's on my heart to tell you this. I, there was a story about a man named Steve. And Steve was, you know, in the church and outside of the church. And he was just like, you know, I, I'm not going to do much of anything. I, I, I like it the way it is. You know, some of you all are doing everything that God requires. And then some of you are, aren't doing anything. So... I'm going to stay here on the fence. And this is where I'm going to stay for the rest of my life. I'm going to stay on the fence till I die. And guess what? Steve died. And uh, he died on the fence. And guess where he went? He went to hell. But guess what Steve asked? Steve said, listen. I was going to be on the fence till I die, and I'm going to be on the fence now. I'm halfway in. And the devil looked him right in the face when he said, I'm on the fence. He said, Steve, guess what? I own the fence. Steve spent the rest of eternity in hell, not knowing that being on the fence is where the devil loves for you to be. He owns that. It's off the fence on God's side would get you into heaven. The authority of Christian worship is, is truth. And we have to regard our own souls. 
In John 17, 17, the Bible says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. If we are to have the characteristics of a true worshiper saints, we must love the truth, meaning we must love God's word and we must obey it. And God's word is so beautiful. We all know that 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, if you want to turn there with me, we know why it is so important and, 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 and why should we be the lover of God's word is because it says all scripture is breathed out by God. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Everything you need is in the word of God. Correction, I get training, I, 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 can, I can get reproof, I can, I can understand where I went wrong. Everything I need, it is God-breathed and we should be lovers of God's word. It's amazing that some people have trouble. Most people tell me that they read the Bible to go to sleep. Not to learn. And I get tired, you know, when I'm ready to go to bed, you know, I just... Pick up the Bible and I read a few chapters and before you know it, it's this morning time. I had a good, nice rest. Being lovers of God's word so that I can know what it is that he requires of me. So that I can know how to act. And when things go wrong, I know how to react. See, the problem is we don't know how to react and when things go wrong because we're not in his word. We get into church and things are good and then soon as the trouble comes, we want to run back to the world because we think it has the answer because it was comfortable then. Instead of saying, well, what does God have to say about the matter? The word of God guides our steps. It's a light, a lamp to our feet. Psalms 119 and verse 105, the Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you've been walking in darkness and you need to figure out what direction you need to be going in, open up the word of God. God's word directs us to wisdom. It's not so much that, 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 that it's a boom, now I know everything to do, but it, it will lead you in the right direction. It will guide you to, in the, in the, in the right, to the right person. It's the wisdom. It's like infinite wisdom. Psalms 119 and verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You know, God honors and blesses those who respect his word and who love it. I mean, it's so precious. It's like the most valuable thing. If you have one of these in your house, I don't care what your house is worth or your cars are worth or what are your clothes or your jewelry. This is the most valuable thing that you have in your home. See, if we focus on living a sanctified life, all oh, things will change. If you if you if you valued it like we value jewelry and, and, and other things, you'll take it everywhere you go. You wouldn't leave it in the car. When you get out the car, you take it with you. When you go to the mall, you take it with you. You know why? Because there are valuable souls that need to hear the word of God. You value it. 
You take it with you on vacation. You don't leave it behind. You take it with you when you're going to work out at the gym. You take it with you, put it on your backpack when you go bike riding, when you're mountain climbing because you value the word of God and you need it in every aspect of your life and it means that much to you. You want to talk about building the proper characteristics. It's in here. It's like the commercial. Prego, it's in there. It's in here. It's the main ingredient. It is everything you need. We have to be lovers of God's word. We ought to become more mature. So yeah, we'll be in and, 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 and out of sin throughout our whole lives. We'll, we'll fall short, but, but the point is to stop falling short as much as we have been. We need to be more in than out of Christ. So yeah, you may stumble in the beginning as a babe, but the point is it's time to mature and become more and more like Christ and, and, and not repenting as much, but, but helping others and, and saying thank you more than I'm sorry or forgive me, Lord, or I've done it again, but more like thank you, Lord, for, for your word and thank you for your grace and thank you for your mercy and, and thank you for brother such and such and thank you for the opportunity for me to grow in the grace and knowledge of your word. I'm, I'm so thankful for this. I want to close with this. Turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter chapter 4. We start at verse 11. The reason why I say that this is what we need is for this very reason. He said, and he gave the apostles, the prophets and the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. It just told us everything in that little bit that we need to be focusing on and doing. You reading the word of God, it equips those who are evangelists. It equips our shepherds. It equips those who are are teachers. That includes the women who are teaching other women how to be uh, uh, faithful wives and, and be able to be teachers to our young children. It equips the saints, those who don't know, but who are now babes in Christ. And and it helps build up the body of Christ. We're talking about the word of God that people take for granted. And it also will help us attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And it helps us mature and grow up and be men and women of God. And to measure every stature of fullness of Christ. If we hadn't got there yet, it'll, it'll help you. This is the measuring stick. And that's what we need to grow. You want to grow? Read the Word of God. You want to be more faithful? Uh, read the Word of God. You want to have a more repentant heart? Read the Word of God. Developing a spirituality like none other should be the ultimate goal of a Christian. Should be our goal. I think to settle for anything less is to miss the point of spiritual growth.
If you think that developing your relationship, your willingness to read God's word is, is nothing, you miss it. You miss the whole thing. I no longer want us to miss it. I no longer want us to miss it. You know, the saddest thing is that when you have family members that you love and you care about that have gone and died and they died in this world. They didn't obey the gospel. They didn't adhere to every plea. Every time you wanted to have a Bible study with them. And I'm talking about maybe some have even lost husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, children to the world. I don't want that to be us. I want us to be like we ought to be. Striving to be spiritually strong and doing the work and the will of God. If you're here tonight and you are a Christian and you have not been exemplifying the characteristics of a true worshiper. If you've sinned and fallen short, if you sin publicly, you need to make that known. You know what the need is and what you need to make right. Please don't hesitate. And if you're here today and you're visiting with us, and I'm so thankful that you are here tonight, I want to extend the invitation by telling you that if you're not in Christ, you're missing it all. To not even be in Christ, nothing else even matters if you're not in Christ. And the first step is to be in Christ. And you can do so by hearing the word as you just did. Having a repentant heart, understanding what it is that you need to do. Understanding that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came and bled and died a cruel death for you and for I. And based on that, we will baptize you right away. Won't wait. The water's ready. You can change your life today. You want to be a, be a part of, of God's kingdom. You want to be a part of the royal priesthood. Then you must first be dipped. Immersed in water. Not sprinkled, but dipped down every, from head to toe. And when rising up, dying to yourself, rising up a new creature in Christ. So if that is your need and you're here today and you're subject to the invitation, please, please come now together. We stand and sing.